Respectfully. 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 A Melanated Therapist. Welcome in and welcome home, family. I'm Rade. I'm Dimitri, and this is Respectfully, a Melanated Therapist podcast. Just a quick disclaimer, this is not therapy. We are just two people who are doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. All right, fam. So today we will be discussing Black traditionalism and how we as millennials embrace Black traditionalism and being able to find our own way around it. So traditionalism is the upholding of maintenance of tradition, especially so as to resist change. Um, We have cultural traditionalism and familial or family traditionalism. Cultural traditionalism is, uh, it evolves around events, rituals, and customs that a society shares as a whole, right? So us as a Black community, we share traditions and rituals together. This could look like the Black church. This could look like um, cookouts. This could look like jams, or some people call it block parties, right? These are Mm. traditional or cultural traditions. Um, Then we have familial traditions, which are activities and patterns of behaviors that reflect a family's values, interests, and beliefs. And this could be around, you know, what we do on the holidays or um, what we like to do on birthdays. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in addition to discussing the impact of tradition, we will be talking about sizeism, as it is an ongoing issue within our community that stems from the traditional value of image and one being not only a representation of self, but also family or culture. So what is sizeism? Sizeism is the prejudice or discrimination on the grounds of a person's size or weight. With our families, this could look like, oh, you look like you're getting big or you look like a stick. You need some meat on your bones. So taking that into consideration, Rade, where do you think traditionalism takes a turn toward unhealthy behaviors? Mm, when you saying stuff like that, like really, like when, <laughs> when- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you say stuff Not like <laughs> no facts, no, but um, facts, when yeah. you are are saying things like you need some meat on your bones or getting big, right? Like I mm-hmm. get that you my family, but you can also not be rude and disrespectful. You never know what place people are in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's important that we're being mindful of that. And I think mm-hmm. like the black community, we don't normally consider what place is this person in we just thinking i need to let them know what they need to know so they can receive it period right right and, <laughs> and i understand where that comes from historically i understand that that also comes from black people trying to make sure that ult- ultimately we're a representation of each other right that's where traditionalism mm-hmm. comes from and so mm-hmm. ultimately and y'all know, I've heard it so many times before. I can't go outside looking a mess because then it's like, dang, why she looking like that? She's the only black person out here. She represents mm-hmm. all of us, right? That's what it ends up feeling like. So, or that's what it ends up being, being talked about or talked around. And so mm-hmm. I think these behaviors become unhealthy when we can only see this person as a representation of the community and not as an individual person to where we mm-hmm. start placing expectations and values on them that don't align with who they are on an individual level based off of their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And then there becomes, you know, conflict around this or just completely 
not acknowledging who that person is and just going straight into your own things, talking about their size, talking about how their hair should look, talking about the things that they should be doing, right? We see this oftentimes, especially with um, Caribbean, uh, you know, Afro-Caribbean or African families with immigrant, immigrant parents that oftentimes are like, all right, well, you know, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a teacher, you're going to be a nurse. And that's not even where that younger person's alignment is. But Mm -hmm. based off of tradition, this is what's expected. So I think it becomes very unhealthy when we start to go down the road of pretty much fuck how you feel, fuck what you are valuing. This is what we have to value. Exactly. Yeah. What about you? Yes, friend. Yes. So, you know, the one that um, I agree with everything you say and kind of echo that, um, you know, it's it's the one that stuck out to me the most, like as far as, you know, some of those traditional views that um, could turn into unhealthy behaviors is looking and being put together all the time. That was a big one for me. (laughs) (laughs) That was a big one for me um, growing up. And it's almost like, you know, it became a job, like having to be put together. I feel like I'm always on 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 cue um, every time mm-hmm. I step out of the house. And honey, I, I experienced that for a long time, like literally getting fully dressed to go across the street to Publix. I'm sorry, that's a grocery store, to go to the grocery right. store because I'm a representation of my family. I'm a representation, mm-hmm. um, you know, of of. The black community. So at the same time, mm-hmm. like, do I, you know, speak for all black people? Do I speak for all family members in my family? No, I do not. But I'm still that representation. That's what has been taught or instilled into me as I was growing up. But honey, it changed for me when I started thinking for myself. And when I say thinking for myself, meaning looking at some of the things that have been taught to me to understand if that's actually how I feel, or am I just doing this because I was it was taught. So then I realized that just because I put on a a solid T-shirt and some basketball shorts and some thong sandals to go to the grocery store does not reflect poorly on who I am or my family. So after right. that, I switched it up and I'm not going to put on a full outfit to go to, to the grocery store or to walk out my house and, and, and go to the mailbox, honey. And to tell you, it has been... A, it was the best thing I could have ever done. And it saved me on my um, expenses because I didn't have to wash clothes so, so damn much. <laughs> It's freeing, huh? Yes, it really is. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I do think that, you know, some of the other ones that I've kind of heard growing up is, you know, oh, you getting big. Oh, you know, or, you know, if you were on the bigger side, but you decided to um, start eating healthier and and pay more attention to your fitness and your your wellness and you lose weight, which... um, if you know anything about fitness, it depends on your on your body chemistry and your makeup to determine how quickly you can lose weight versus how quickly others may lose weight or not lose weight. So things could be, you know, drastic to other people and then be labeled as, oh, is something wrong with such and such because he's skinny. Like he, he used to be way bigger than that when all in all, this person it literally probably had type 2 diabetes or some type of health concern and needed to lose the weight mm-hmm. or they just wanted to do it to feel good about themselves. It shouldn't be seen as a negative thing because we lost weight with what someone may feel was too quick or such a drastic change. It doesn't mean that something is wrong with them health-wise because they decided to lose weight. Um, yeah, telling people that they're too skinny. You know, ultimately, all of this stuff, like who we end up looking like 
It's because of y'all ass. It, genetics. <laughs> like we look like how we look because we, exactly. y'all made us. So whatever mm-hmm. we end up being or looking like when we get older, it's because of the genetics and DNA that you gave us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether I come mm-hmm. out, you know, skinny or whether I come out a little, with a little more meat on my bones, this is genetics. Now, I'm not saying that behavior like, you know, possibly not eating well and all of those things don't impact it. But ultimately, the size of our makeup to a certain degree is based on our genetics. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes from you all. So I definitely think that's something that, you know, it, it brings true and it still happens even to this day, but something that we all need to understand um, the reality of the situation, not versus what we think it's supposed to be. Right. Very true. I just really feel like the there is, you know, a a, a Black community thing. And, and, you know, this could also stem to other minorities. Because I think that we do look at this as you are a representation of us because we're a minority, because of that reason. That makes perfect right. sense to me. And mm-hmm. I don't think that it is unfair to to place that expectation because the truth of the matter is, is that that's what we are, right? If we're, if we're speaking truth and realistically, when we do go out and if I'm the only Black person in that room, I'm ultimately the representation to everybody else. I'm the By representation. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but what we're getting at here, though, is still being mindful of how we decide to treat each other when we are supposed to be in a safe space within community. We should not feel like now, you know, I get that you were the only person there. Show some compassion to that. As you all know, there is a lot of pressure around that. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, as a community, we like the way we look, period. Black people like to be cleanly and look good. (laughs) <laughs> like that—that that is just that is black people. That is his. That is who we are. Now that whole that don't mind, look like what you what you've been through thing. Yes, yes, and mm-hmm. you know, also looking good makes us feel good, and, and that's Hello. for anybody across the board. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. we're talking about here, though, is placing or projecting fear and expectations that you may hold for yourself or. Fears that you may hold based off of your own experiences on the way you look or the way you present or the way that you were taught to have to present, you do not have mm-hmm. to put those on other people, not on your right. children, not on your other family members, not on other people within the community. Or um, your partner. Right. Just just don't do it. Allow mm-hmm. them to to navigate that on their own. And just like you, Demetrius, I used to get dressed every day. My, I remember talking to my cousin. My cousin went, I had multiple cousins that went to HBCUs and they were talking about, you know, how they got dressed every single day for class. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, child, I went to a PWI, sat on campus. Granted, I got dressed every day and I, okay, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. dressed every day. <laughs> <laughs> no. Granted, though, I know also that I didn't have to get dressed to the extent that they were getting dressed. Like, mm-hmm. Full blown makeup for their eight a.m. class. Y'all weren't getting that for me. Y'all c- probably got that for me in the afternoon. But <laughs> like, we gonna have some. You know what? What I'm getting at though is is ultimately is that that is built into who we are. And I mm-hmm. was naming HBCUs in particular because I have not heard of anybody at HBCU talking about not getting dressed to go out mm-hmm. for the day. Like I just have mm-hmm. never heard that. And mm-hmm. this is definitely. This is a minority thing. This is a black thing. And I'm not saying we wrong for wanting to look good now, but I am saying stop placing the pressures on other people to look how you think they should look 
Because exactly. truth of the matter is, they probably feel great in how they look. And you just came in, knocked them down. Listen, comfortable. Like, don't do and that. we over here sweating because we trying to be extra cute. <laughs> and extra they just cute. look so comfortable. Just so comfortable. <laughs> you projected, like, go on my business, please. I call it the CC, cute and comfortable. Yes. <laughs> That's my fave. <laughs> cute and comfy. Yes. Mastered it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Let me ask you this, friend. How do you think our values as millennials differ from our, our elders and why? Mm. Well, I'm going to speak from my, the community that or the ethnic group that I belong to and my personal mm-hmm. experience. But the, thing, the biggest thing that comes up for me is the way that we define success. So typically our elders define success as settling down, having a family, you know, that whole American dream thing, you know, buying a home, all of those different things. That's typically how a lot of our elders define success or what, you know, or the path that we should take. Whereas, you know, and there wasn't a lot of, there was focus on education, of course, Mm -hmm. but not a focus on career development and, you know, focusing on your professional career. So I feel Mm -hmm. like for me, education was always pushed, but you know, it's always, you know, when you come around, oh, are you in a relationship? When you going to settle down? When you going to have kids? And of course, before the, you know, (laughs) I never had this direct conversation with every single family member, but I mean, my family knows I'm gay, but at the same time being asked, okay, well, when you going to get a girlfriend, Uh, when you going to get married and have some kids, like, you know, Mm -hmm. every time, you know, there's a family engagement, not so much now, but you know, a lot when I was, you know, in my early twenties and everything like that, um, because that's how they define success. And, you know, our generation, we define success on many different levels. You know what I mean? Like some of us are, you know, focused on our careers and making a name for ourselves and impacting the community in some way. And then, you know, a lot of us are really honed in on self-care and experiencing the world and traveling a lot. Whereas a lot of our elders, all they did was work and provide for their family. And that's how they determined whether they were successful or not. But I feel like we have so many different things or avenues or factors that we look at that defines our lives and what we deem successful or, you know, we value that may not be in alignment with what, you know, our elders value. But the good thing about it is that by living our lives the way that we're living and having those that dialogue, then we can get to a place to where we're kind of educating our our um, elders on what's important mm-hmm. to us and why we are pursuing the things that we're pursuing so that they can understand, you know what? Wow. Okay. First person to go to college, first person to, you know, have a good job, you know, making, mm-hmm. you know, X amount of money. So then they start to, you know, although they still have their personal values on what they define as success, they're able to do that dialogue, see that, okay, well, this is how my my son or my daughter or my nephew or my whatever defines success and they are successful. And I can mm-hmm. say that my child or my niece or whatever has accomplished these things. So exactly. I think it's just really understanding and having the dialogue about the things that you're doing, why you're doing them and why they're important to you um, helps change some of that hardcore black and white uh, traditionalism um, or family traditions within the black community. Yes. What about you? Yes, yes, and yes. I second everything you say. Um, So I think it is interesting that in your response to this question, you were saying 
that it is the difference of success. I, when I was, as I read the question, the immediate thing I thought of is the differences of freedom mm. to do what we want. Amen. And, and I think that we have different values around freedom. And I think that Absolutely. one, I think it's one a moment for me to say thank you to our elders because y'all opened up so many doors for us to be able Absolutely. to not be able to define freedom and gain freedom on so many different levels. I'm Absolutely. able to do all the different entrepreneurial things that I want to do as well as maintain a full-time job if I want to, as well as be a stay at home, whatever, if I felt like it mm-hmm. or whatever, all of these things because of the doors mm-hmm. that were open. So I think that is the first thing that starts to define our values a little bit differently because we Mm -hmm. have a view of having different opportunities and options. Our values are going to be defined differently. My values are not going to be the same as yours because your values are more linked to, I need stabilization and security. And in order for me to achieve that, I have to maintain a longstanding job with 401k with all of these things. Mm -hmm. Whereas for Mm -hmm. me, my idea of financial security or security overall is I have to have multiple streams of income and revenue. And I have to also be very passionate about each one of those things. Absolutely. Or one of them needs to be a passive income, right? Whereas I think Mm -hmm. for our elders, their value was in, I have to define my niche and I have to stick to that because that's what I'm good at. And that's what people will know Mm -hmm. me for, which is very true. Mm -hmm. I look Mm -hmm. at my parents, I look at my mom, especially, and she you know, has been doing the work that she has been doing for such a long time. And it's so appreciated. She is where she is because she has been so diligent in that field Mm -hmm. for that, Mm -hmm. for that reason. Whereas Mm -hmm. me, you know, she looks at all the different things I'm doing that at one point can seem very unrelated, but I feel like they all go together. But, you know, (laughs) if she she could, you know, eventually I'm getting there. So I'm like, okay, yeah, these are intertwined. I just didn't know. I didn't have my footing yet on why these would be intertwined. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. And seeing all the different things that I'm doing, you know, my parents have looked at me and been like, this is good, right? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, or being there with me when I'm, you know, making products or or whatever I'm doing. And so I just think that that definitely separates the difference, the differences in our values is the place that it starts from. I think Mm -hmm. that we have defined freedom a bit differently that can impact this. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And so also... I just think that our freedom is driven by passion, where mm-hmm. their, whereas I think their freedom might have been, and, and I'm not sure for sure, but I think it might have been driven by, like I said, the security aspect of right. things, as well as still trying to find passion. Because a lot of times it's like, well, you know, you just need to get a job. And ultimately with us, I was watching um, the show Big Brother. And I don't know if y'all heard of that show, but I was watching the show Big Brother and there's a <laughs> there's a guy on there that he just graduated from college. He's like, ultimately, I'm unemployed, okay? Like, and he living in his parents' basement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's just funny to me because as I've watched the show for years, you just see as the seasons are going on that, you know, the people that are coming on it now are just kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just figuring it out, right? Like mm-hmm. they have the liberty and freedom to do that. Mind you, he was also not a minority. But I'm just giving the the space to right. minorities. Mm-hmm. Also, we kind of have the space to right now to be like, look, I'm going back home to live with my parents and I'm figuring mm-hmm. out. They didn't right. have that liberty. Right. They were oftentimes right. taking care of their elders as well right. as trying to Child, provide some of us for still themselves. don't have that liberty. No, no, mm-hmm. absolutely not. But we have more of the liberty now than we ever did before is what I'm getting. Yeah, at. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, you know, that is also, you know, unfortunately in the Black community, that could be seen, even though it shouldn't be, that can be viewed as failure. Yep, I've we- been out on my own and all in all, what I'm really saying is, is that, you know what, I may have made a wrong turn or two and I need to come back and regroup, get some support, some nurture and 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 save my money so I can make better financial decisions. Or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, I, you know, I come here so that I can buy a home, whatever the case may be. But collectively, that could be seen as failure. Oh, you couldn't make it out on your own. Now you're back. Mm-hmm. When all really in all, we I'm not trying that. to. Exactly. And, you know, hopefully the biggest thing that I would say, I hope changes when it comes to um, these values is just because your child turns 18 is legally considered an adult does not mean you have to kick them out and make them struggle or force them to be on their own. Give them what they need to be an independent contributing member of society before you actually push them out of the nest. Make sure that they're ready. And sometimes, because all 18-year-olds don't go to college, you know, some stay home. So, you know, and, and they, you know, go into the workforce and things like that. But I'm just saying that, you know, we shouldn't, you know, in the past, and it still happens today that typically if you're black and you turn 18, you, you getting up out of here, whether that's moving on your own or whether that's going to college, but you got to get out of here. And I feel like we rush, we, we rush our young people out of the nest a little sooner than they may be ready for, or may be necessary. So I do hope that that does change. Um, continue to yes. change over time. And I think, you know, as generations have gone on, I think our, I'm going to say our quote unquote primary elders, which are our parents, right? Our generation Xers. If you're a millennial, listen to this. We have our generation Xers, our parents. Those are the ones that I think that they, honestly, I think they're learning a lot, you mm-hmm. know, about who we are, right? Yeah. Just like their elders had to learn a lot about who they were. Right. Um, and understanding that with the opportunities and options that they opened up for us, it allows us a lot more room than they probably had. And yeah. once I think they realize that, it often becomes a lot easier to have these conversations with them about what are you doing and what kind of help do you need? Because mm-hmm. they understand the liberties that are now available to us versus what was not available to them. Exactly. And a lot of times I think these values, some when they're trying to place them on us millennials when they're trying to place it on us it comes from a place of fear and wanting us to be secure and protected and to be successful and sufficient adults but also recognizing that as we evolve and times have changed a bit not completely because we ain't completely Mm -hmm. out of where they have been right hello i think we have to still be mindful of you know what that placement looks like and how it can be utilized to our advantage you know, in a very healthy mm-hmm. way and, and so forth. So I think yeah. that it just takes these conversations. I talk mm-hmm. to my parents all the time about, you know, what my values are. So my mom in particular, me and my mama, y'all, me and mama talk all the time. Okay. We'll be talking about whatever we feel like it in these new <laughs> conversations. <laughs> and they are, a lot of times they are around, you know, like what our values are. We're not literally like, okay, what are your, what's your value? What's mine? But mm-hmm. a lot of the time it is around just relearning each other and stuff like that, because a lot of mm-hmm. values that my mom has instilled in me, right. Maybe they got moved around. Maybe the prioritize mm-hmm. the, the priorities of those values shifted. Maybe because of my experiences, I have some new values that are at the top of my mm-hmm. list. And mm-hmm. I talked to her about this before. Maybe they would throw her off sometimes and she'd be like, what are you doing? You know, kind of thing. But <laughs> once we, are able to have the conversation. She sees where my head mm-hmm. is at. I'm a self-sufficient adult. She can trust that 
I have put some thought into this value. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. hope on my end is that she's not trying to change that value because she has a different one. And exactly. that's not usually the case, but still. Right. And, I, you know, like you said, the, like that open dialogue, that's definitely necessary so that they understand the motivations behind why you do what you do so that yeah. they can trust that they've raised you to handle things in the best way possible, in the most effective exactly. way possible, in the most healthy way possible. But, you know, I just want to note that, you know, if there's any, you know, Gen X or, you know, our any... um individuals who we may share this with or whatever the case may be is that we're not denouncing any of the values that you gave us when we were being when, you know yeah, when we no. were growing up we're just saying that those values may look differently now and ultimately yeah. some and then to be honest some of them still stick like I still agree yep. with a lot of the values and principles and morals that I got um, during my my uh, childhood that are at play now and making me who I am. But there are certain things that don't align with me and my goals and where I'm going. So those are the ones that I am doing that self inventory to say, you know what, this is what I got. This is what I see in front of me. This is what I believe. Exactly. So it doesn't mean exactly. that we're denouncing anything. We're just letting you know, like based on the way that, you know, like right, they say that freedom, um, how we define success, all of that stuff is what's at play in determining, okay, how we go after things, how we perceive the world around us, how we, you know, what motivates us to do what we do. Um, you know, all of those things impact that. So we're not mm-hmm. denouncing. Some of that stuff still sticks. Some of that stuff I still, I actually instill into the the, the young people in my life because those yeah. are good morals and, and principles and and framework for, you know, being healthy and living living a life that you can be proud of. But it's just certain things that are, are, are modified because that's not truly what I believe. But mm-hmm. like Rade say, we're just having these open dialogues so that we can understand each other better. Not to say that one way is better than the other, but to respect that we have differences and we don't try to put our own morals, views, or perspectives onto that other person as the quote unquote right. And you know, how this all ties into traditionalism is I really think that the value differences ties into traditionalism based on, you know, us, I think. I think for me in particular, me as a millennial, this is what I'll say. I really do think that we tend to look at, okay, what is the purpose of this tradition that we keeping up? What is the purpose of this value that I'm keeping up? What is the purpose of me going to this holiday, whatever? What is the purpose of all of these different things? And the, because I said so just does not work for me. Right. Period. Like mm-hmm. it just did not work. Mm-hmm. I need to know what is my purpose behind doing this? Because if I'm doing all of these things, let's put it into perspective. If we're talking about millennials, be all over the place, pretty much doing dibbling and dabbling and all kinds of things, mm-hmm. but based on Jumping values, on flights, right? getting flued right. out. <laughs> right. All the things. <laughs> if we are doing all, if I'm doing all these things, I need to have intention behind each of these things. And I think that for a while the res- the respect has changed over time so like the idea of respect has come from because i said so because i'm an elder and because i'm an elder and i have already gone through these things you listen to what i say because i said so mm-hmm. whereas i think now i'm i know i'm definitely i can't speak for every millennial right not to say i definitely respect my elders but the because i said so is not enough <laughs> for me yeah. and so yeah. i need to have a better understanding about why does this traditional value, this traditional event or activity or whatever behavior, why mm-hmm. is it in place? And does it serve me? 
does it serve mm-hmm. my community? Mm-hmm. And if the answer to that is no, then I'm not doing it. Right. Like I'm, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but right. granted, there are most traditions do definitely have a purpose, but we right. have to get out of the because I said so, or this is just what we do, or just 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 because we're family, right? Oh, what or the infa- or the infamous do as I say and not as and I not do. As I do. Uh-uh. No, 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 ma'am. Thank you. No, ma'am. Sorry. No, that's not gonna work for me. Um, that's no. not gonna work for me, boo. Um, I'm gonna need to know, you know, modeling is key. Like I'm I'm telling mm-hmm. you now, you mm-hmm. are going to have conflict in your home. If you merely tell your children, do as I say and not as I do, they're going to rebel because they don't understand. And I was a child that I need to know the how in order for me to fully grasp something. So, I mean, granted, there are concepts that you can kind of grasp by simple statements. But when it comes to my behavior and something that you want me to do, I need to understand why. Like, I need to understand how this works. So, you know, and, you know, in the Black community, that could be seen as talking back. And you have to understand, like yes. when a child is when a child is young, that they don't know how to conceptualize the conversation to say, "Hey, you know, I don't, you know, have a problem with you telling me to do this. You know, I just want you to explain it to me a little more." See, kids don't know how to say that. All they're gonna do is ask questions. Well, why I got to do right. this, or why is why? it this, or why is it that? So now we being disrespectful and we talking back, or we got a slick mouth. When all in all, we want to have a conversation with you about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that open dialogue, it's a lot easier to establish when your child is young than when they become an adult. Because when they become yep. an adult, I don't have to listen to anything you have to say. So I'm already coming in here like, girl, what you finna say? Because <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> or you know, but it's it's so funny. Um, I saw this post on um I think it was Twitter or Facebook, one of them. And it was like, you know, growing up black, my mama always told me that I ain't one of her little friends and look at her now, my friend. <laughs> my whole <laughs> friend. Hey, girl. Yes, listen, having all good conversations, girl, calling right. you like we best friends. Uh, girl, right. did I tell you what happened with such and such? Right. Or, Ooh, let me tell you about this. But look at you, my whole friend. Oh, my God. Cece, <laughs> don't tell me like I'm one of your little friends. I'll be in the phone, mom, I'm like, hey, girl. Like, <laughs> right. And look at us or now, just like, hey, mom, like, right. <laughs> or say something crazy. I'd be like, girl, now you know. Um, <laughs> I love to see it. Or it's the or if it's the it's the infamous child, child. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt that in my spirit when I saw that post. I was like, that is so true. Like we are whole friends now. Look but you told you know. me my whole life they'll be talking to you like I'm one like of your I'm little one friends. Of your friends. Hey, friend. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. All right, y'all. So it is time for our therapist hats off segment. Dimitri, do you have the first question? I do. So our first question from a listener is how can I get my family to stop talking about my size or asking me about when I have when I'm having kids whenever I visit them? By the way, I don't even have a boyfriend right now. <sighs> okay. So when I I guess in reading this question. My immediate thought is say something, ultimately. I don't think that it's inappropriate for you to be able to let your family know, you know, I don't want to be asked those questions. And being able to share the reason why you don't want to be asked that question. You know, this Mm -hmm. goes for us too, right? This is not a because I said so. 
right? Granted, I do think that people should just stop asking questions about your size. I do think people should stop asking questions about when you're having children. And granted, that could also come from my own experiences, not of people asking me those questions, but my own personal experiences with fertility and things of that nature. And so it because you like I said earlier in the episode, you never know what people are are going through. And you know, the reason why they may have gained all that weight, the reason why they have lose that lose or lost all that weight or the reason why they probably didn't have kids yet. So maybe if if you really feel like it's necessary to ask those questions and for a listener that asks this question, if you don't want to tell your people, you know, don't ask me, period. Another way you can reframe this is giving them another way of how they can present these questions to you. Do you want to have children? You know, are you safe? I noticed that you are losing weight, but are you safe in losing weight? Like, is this how you, are you okay with how you're looking right now? Not based off of, you know, I don't think you're okay, but are you okay? Like, are you happy with this? Right. It's giving other ways to how they can get to the answer that they're looking for in a way that probably does not come off as off-putting. Um, or that they are being judgmental. And that is something that you have to figure out for yourself. How is it that you need to be, how do these questions need to be framed to you so that you can be responsive to them in a way Mm -hmm. that still offers, you know, that healthy communication and um, healthy, safe relationships? Because truth Mm -hmm. of the matter is, is that, you know, clearly you don't feel safe by these questions being asked because Mm -hmm. it feels like pressure. And so Mm -hmm. to do things that maybe you're not ready to do or, to talk about things that maybe you're not uncomfortable that maybe you're not comfortable with, such as the size your of your body. And so being able to say this to them will be important. So deciding do you need to say, I need these questions to not be asked to me due to X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Or being able to say, you know, if you're gonna ask me these questions, can you frame it this way? Or if you if this is what you want to know, I need you to actually ask that. Right. Versus, mm-hmm. oh, you getting big or you getting small. And when you having kids. So, right. Yeah. All of that. What, do you right. have anything? All of that. Okay. Child, not really, not anything to really add to it, but maybe supplement is a, a better word. But I feel like Rade mm-hmm. is, you know, my on impact, same reaction. Tell them to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a simple response. But I know it's not always simple, depending on especially, um, the hierarchy of your family and how yeah. you respect or how you, you know, uphold those older members in your family. So definitely be respectful, but it's completely okay to tell them that to stop asking those questions. But I mm-hmm. also think that, you know, it's important to, like Rade say, like, talk to them about how they can approach you with those type of questions about your life if they're interested in it. You know what I mean? And that could, and one way could, you know, I'll catch all, you know, what's going on in your world? Exactly. How you doing with life? That'll okay. capture all of that information if that's the way, you know, it's presented. And then mm-hmm. also, you know, some suggestions, you know, for our elders is when you're asking these questions, you're come. It, it sounds like or it appears to be coming with a negative connotation or a negative thought process, meaning that, oh, you know, you're getting big. So you just right. literally came from a negative standpoint to tell me that I'm big and that there's some disdain on your side exactly. of the table with the size that I am or how I look. So, you know, ultimately, when you ask someone, let's say, you know, they used to you have more meat on their bones and now they're a little more slim than they used to be like, oh, I noticed you lost some weight. What's been going on? Boom. 
That'll answer your question. If it's something mm-hmm. like, you know, I got type 2 diabetes, I had to lose some weight because I don't want it to turn into type 2, they go your response. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. I was looking, you know, you know, doing, you know, my own, you know, taking my health into consideration and working on my wellness. And, you know, I started working out and eating better. And this is why I look like this. And I feel the best that I've ever felt in years and yada, yada, yada. Like, let mm-hmm. them come from a, a positive standpoint and allow that person to let you into their world. Don't assume anything about someone's right. experience because they're the expert. You don't know why right. they're smaller than they know. used to be. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You don't know why, you know, they haven't been able to gain weight. And ultimately, who says they need to gain weight? That's just how you feel. Right. Mm-hmm. They you know what I'm it. saying? Exactly. And got somebody who do too. <laughs> right. It's all about healthy. As long as that person's healthy, you know, ultimately, regardless of what you may believe, you know, or value, allow those people to find their own way. Make sure that you're coming from a place of positivity and support to let them know. Because ultimately, if you look at it as, I know this may sound strange, but as negative as that approach may be, ultimately, it's coming from a place of concern. But so I think what we need to learn is how to effectively and and come and approach someone in a non-harming way of telling them that you're concerned and not just assuming that it's something negative. Um, I have one thing I want to add to this or technically, mm-hmm. two, but it's short. So <laughs> first thing is, is for us to, when we are being asked this question, these questions to not become defensive, understand that this is a part of learning and yeah, it may hurt. It may sting, but being able to say that, you mm-hmm. know, there, there have been some people in my life, whether they've been very close family members or some friends at times that I'm like, listen, like. The way that I came across, that really just hurt my feeling, right? Mm-hmm. This is actually mm-hmm. where I am right now, and and this is why. Um, mm-hmm. And being able to have that com- that open conversation. And, right. you know, if y'all families are anything like my families, once I'm telling them how I feel like I would actually prefer to be asked this question, my family going to be a little bit of petonique. They're going to be a little petty. And when they ask me the questions, they're going to be a little bit like, okay, so what's going on in your world since that's how you told me to ask you? That's what they're going to And also, I respect that. I respect right, that. Right. Exactly. And I don't even mind it because I know you're trying. And exactly. Look, if you if you want to be a little petunic for me, girl, it's fine. Thanks for asking how, you're, how I'm doing because I genuinely know you care. But this is right, new for exactly. you. So. Here's where we are, right? We're it's going to be a little it, shade in there a little bit. It's going to be a little right. pettiness, you know? No, facts. I literally <laughs> was having a conversation with my mom uh, when I went home to visit and I told her, all right, girl, nah, nah, don't judge me. No. Nah. And as I'm talking to her about what I needed to discuss with her, at, at one point she goes, okay, now nah, you did tell me not to judge you. So, okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Right. But, Correct. Yeah. I just wanted to share. All right, y'all. So (laughs) next question is, my family is very religious and I'm not. Because they know this about me, it seems like most of the time we talk, they try to talk me into going to church and how I'm ultimately going to hell if I don't start going. Is there a healthy and productive way for me to address this? Hmm. This is a big one and a common one. Um, Mm -hmm. The simple answer, uh, listener, is tell them how you feel. Truly explain how that makes you feel. But first, you know, what sticks out to me is that 
your family is very religious and I'm not. So does that mean that you're not religious at all or you're just not as religious as them? So I answer that question to use as a guide of having the the follow-up conversation with your family about how this is making you feel. Because technically your family, you know, it could be different paths. Like ultimately your family can be very religious and you are um, religious, just not on the same magnitude or level that your family is. So that means that you still share some of the same values, but your approach is different or the way you Mm -hmm. uh, uh, view it is differently. And that's the conversation that needs to be had. Or you cannot be religious at all because ultimately there's a lot of, um, you know, individuals who don't connect with any particular religion or spirituality, Mm -hmm. but their family, their entire, you know, lineage of family are Christian Mm -hmm. or Catholic or whatever the religion, you know, the uh, religious affiliation is. But, you know, I think you should start there. How do you define religion? Are you actually religious and not as religious as them, or are you not religious at all? But ultimately, all of this starts with the conversation. So the healthy and productive part of this is to talk about how it makes you feel and to have that discussion about what religion or spirituality does mean to you and, you know, some ways that you guys can communicate about this or connect regarding this in a better way that is is the most um, comforting to you both. Mm-hmm. Or most I comfortable everything you said. Yeah. Yes. Yes to all of it. Um, I mean, really, I don't have much to add. It's just exactly what Demetrius said. And then, you know, recognizing, uh, are you spiritual, religious, or whatever? Define that, as mm-hmm. he said. And then being able to apply that to the conversation so that they understand yeah. where you guys are. So you may have a common mm-hmm. ground. Um, exactly. But, you know, if you don't have the space to be able to have those open conversations, then also it's going to be up to you to be very clear but respectful about why these conversations like why we can no longer have conversations about religion spirituality Mm -hmm. church or whatever um Mm -hmm. but try like you said the healthy and productive way i do think is to define what is religion spirituality for you and being able to talk openly um with your people about that if they're going to talk to you about it then let's talk about it right Right. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what me and Rade were saying. Now, if you're in a situation where it is a do as I say, not as I do, or you're in a situation where what I say is law type of uh, parent-child relationship, then you have to decide mm-hmm. how you're going to move moving forward. Basically, meaning that if there's gonna, not going to be any change on the on the family side, how are you going to be able to still integrate your life, your family life with your personal life? And, and what are your boundaries? Because ultimately, yeah. we can request anything. But it doesn't mean that we're going to get it in return. Get that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, like Roddy was saying, like, just look at that to determine, okay, if I don't get what I'm looking for out of this conversation or even be able to have an open conversation about it or open dialogue about it, then how, what can you do for yourself moving forward so that you can make sure that you're safe in those type of situations or that you're putting some type of boundaries in place so that you're not harmed um, throughout those type of interactions? Yeah, I agree. Great tweet. Okay. All right. All right, fam. Well, our earth lesson for the week is individualism is just as important as tradition. Try to be intentional about finding a balance with yourself and make meaning of tradition so it is aligned with personal values and familial values that you agree. Respectfully, a melanated therapist. All right, fam. Remember to follow us on Instagram at respectfullymt and send your questions and topic requests to respectfullymt at gmail.com. Until next time, fam. Peace, y'all. Respectfully.
Respectfully. Respectfully. Respectfully. Respectfully. Respectfully. A melanated therapist. therapist.